But the title of my sermon today is Jesus Impacted Individuals. And this is part one, and we're going to be talking about the demoniac found in Mark chapter 5. So if you will, go ahead and begin turning in your Bible to Mark chapter 5. If you go out this door at the end of service and you take a left, you're going to see there on that brick wall our core values. And our number one core value as a church is the Scripture. That is our foundation. We are a church that believes the Bible is absolute truth. It is eternal truth. It is never-changing truth. And we stand on the Bible at Pole Creek. If the Bible says it, we're for it. And if the Bible doesn't say it, then we have Christian liberty to determine that on our own. We stand on the Scriptures here. We believe that they are absolute truth. So when you found your place, stand to your feet as we honor the inerrant and infallible Word of God. And we're going to begin in Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 1, as we read this factual, real-life account. Beginning in verse 1, it says, They came to the other side of the sea, to the region of the Gerasenes. As soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He lived in the tombs, and no one was able to restrain him anymore, not even with a chain, because he often had been bound with shackles and chains, but had torn the chains apart and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt down before him, and he cried out with a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. For he had told him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. What is your name? He asked him. My name is Legion, he answered him, because we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the region. A large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, send us to the pigs so that we may enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. The herd of about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there. The men who tended them ran off and reported it in the town and the countryside, and people went to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the man who had been demon-possessed sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs. Then they began to beg him to leave their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him earnestly that he might remain with him. Jesus did not let him, but told him, Go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he went out and began to proclaim in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed. Let's pray. God, we are thankful, Lord, for this account of this man known as the demoniac, a man who was certainly hopeless, a man who lived in a graveyard, a man who had been chained, a man who was screaming out in agony and even harming himself by cutting himself. Lord, we're thankful that you came his way, Jesus. You came by that graveyard one day, and you changed his life. You impacted that individual. It wasn't a group of people that you were going after that day, but it was one man that you knew would come out of that graveyard. And you foreordained that encounter so that you could change his life. And Lord, we're so thankful that you saved him that day. And Lord, as I think back to the day that you saved me, I was no better than that demoniac, that man possessed by demons. I was going to the same place that he was going to. I was as lost as he was, yet you saved me. You've done a great work in my life. You showed me mercy. Today, Lord, we're thankful for that. And Lord, today, as Jesus impacted an individual, the, his eternity, 
impacted his life to where he had hope and joy. Lord, we know today that you can use us to do the very same thing, that you're the same God that you were then. You're still in the saving business. You're still in the healing business. You're still in the forgiving business. And today, God, we want to be a church that through your power and through your great commission, our community is changed with the gospel. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So if you're taking notes this morning, the first thing that I want us to see in this event that took place with Jesus and the man known as the demoniac was that Jesus ministered to the unfriendly, quote unquote, the unfriendly. Now we all know in life that there are those people that we know of in our community, that we know of maybe at work, that we know of maybe at church, or maybe you see in the parking lot of a particular grocery store, they're outcasts. Nobody wants anything to do with them. And I'll tell you what society does with people like that is they isolate them and they cast them out. They say, you know what? It's just too much work to have to deal with someone like that. It could be someone suffering from a mental illness. It could be someone, as in this case, possessed by demons. It could be somebody who is struggling financially. It could be someone who is addicted to drugs or alcohol. Listen, the list goes on and on, and that is the people that we find our society pushing to the periphery and saying, you know what, they're just too difficult to mess with. We're not going to mess with them. Well, here in this account found in Mark chapter 5, the demoniac was one of those people. He was living in a graveyard. We don't know necessarily why. It could have been his own choice, or he could have been forced to live there because he wasn't welcome anywhere else. And we find that they would bind him in chains. And I brought these chains because I want you just to see and get a, an understanding of what this man endured. Now, he was a demon-possessed man, and what they would do is they would bind him because they didn't know what else to do with him. And the Bible teaches us that because of the demonic spirits that lived within him, he was able to break through the chains. And the, really, the only response to him was, well, let's just bind him up and let's isolate him. Today, did you know across the world that still happens? I actually read an article on humanrightswatch.org, and it says that hundreds of thousands of people with mental health conditions are shackled around the world. Human Rights Watch said in a report released today that men, women, and children, some as young as 10, are chained or locked in confined spaces for weeks, months, and even years. And this takes place in about 60 different countries across Asia, Africa, Europe, the Middle East, and the Americas. Now that's today. Things haven't changed very much, have they? Human wisdom still says that if someone is an outcast, if someone is out of our control, if someone is too difficult to manage, you know what the best thing to do is? Let's put them off by themselves somewhere. Let's get them out of our way so they're no longer an inconvenience, and let's chain them up. Let's cage them away. And that's human, the humanity and the human wisdom's idea of how to control those people who are unfriendly, who are uncontrollable. Well, we're going to find out that Jesus' way is drastically different. Jesus doesn't put people in chains. Jesus doesn't put people in cages. Jesus doesn't cast people out and isolate them. Jesus goes to them and impacts their life for eternity. And that's exactly what Jesus did to this demoniac there in the Gerasenes. Even in society today, we continue to see that, and that is an idea that humanity has. We're going to see three different things here that I want us to see about the hopelessness that this man went through. Number one, he lived in a graveyard. He didn't live in a home. He didn't live with his family. He lived in chains in a graveyard all by himself. Verse 4 says that he had been shackled and broke out of them. Verse 5 
shows the inner turmoil that he was suffering because it says in verse five that he screamed in agony and he cut himself with rocks. I'm here today to tell you that humanity's way of dealing with brokenhearted people does not work. I'm here to say that if you think you can just bind somebody up or you can just cast them out and you can just say, we're not dealing with that person, they're too difficult, they're too hard, they're too unfriendly. Listen, what I'm gonna tell you is, is it's gonna destroy them and it's gonna destroy you. God did not intend for us to cast those aside who were just too difficult to minister to, who were just too difficult to impact for the world. Listen, I will be honest with you that there are some people that require a lot more from us than others. There are some people that you really have to pour into to make a difference in their lives because they require that. But did you know that that is no less reason to minister to them? Jesus went by that man in the graveyard that day. Jesus knew he was gonna be there, by the way. Listen, it was not a surprise when that demoniac ran up to Jesus and bowed before him. It was no surprise that that man was possessed by many, many demons. Jesus knew and Jesus intentionally went his way to impact his life. And I'm so thankful that he did. So although even the sight of this man would have been gruesome, you think about a man, it even says that he was, he was naked and he was cutting himself and just the, the, the bloody mutilation of this man's body and what he had done to himself and just the insanity of his mind. I mean, you could imagine that would be something very gruesome to look at. Uh, a human being that had been going through that would be very difficult to even be around or to be near but yet Jesus, God in the flesh, went by his way. Jesus, God in the flesh, stepped out of heaven in order to save people just like that guy in the graveyard. And as we think about our community, as we think about Candler, how many people just like the demoniac are living in our community? You say, Ben, people don't get possessed by demons anymore. Yes, they do. It is a fact that people are still possessed by demons. Now, I understand that there are two categories here. There is a category of mental illness that has nothing to do with demon possession, whether it's a chemical imbalance or whether it's something to do with the person's physical uh, physiology, that's why they have mental illness. But there's also a category of people who are possessed by demons. And I think in our modern day society, we have so much access to medication that a lot of times the reason we don't see that as much as people in third world countries see it is because we medicate people to the point that it's no longer visible in their life, even though they're still just as much demonically possessed. We also understand that the, the chemical addictions and the chemical abuse that people do to their own bodies through alcohol and drugs is also very powerful. And we should not stray away or shy away from helping those kind of people, impacting their life with the gospel. Because here's the thing, if somebody comes to know Jesus and they're possessed by demons, those demons have to flee. If someone is addicted to alcohol or drugs and they come to know Jesus, Jesus gives them the power to lay that stuff down. By the power of the Holy Spirit, they can overcome that addiction. Listen, Jesus heals. Jesus makes lives better. And we're gonna find out here in a little bit that Jesus dramatically changed the life of this man who was known for living in the graveyard and cutting himself. So that's the first thing that I want us to see there is that Jesus ministered to the unfriendly, to those that were difficult, to those that sometimes we shy away from but the second thing that I want us to see, if you're taking notes, write this down, is that Jesus showed dominion over the spirits. Jesus showed dominion over the spirits. There in verse six, we read in Mark chapter five, when he saw Jesus talking about the possessed man from a distance, he ran and knelt down before him 
And he cried out with a loud voice, what do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. For he had told him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Jesus asked him, what's your name? And he said, my name is Legion because we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the region. Let us not forget, guys, that as we impact on, or as we embark on Impact Candler, and we intentionally reach our community with the gospel, that we don't fight against flesh and blood. We don't fight a conventional war in Christianity. The Bible teaches us that we fight a spiritual war. In Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, the Bible says this, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil, the tricks of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. You know one of the biggest tricks in the devil's playbook that still works to this day is he confuses us about who our enemy is. How many times in the last week has he convinced you that your spouse is your enemy? How many times in the last week has he convinced you that your boss is your enemy? How many times in the last week has he convinced you that that ornery old neighbor that's always complaining about you and everything you do in your yard is your enemy? He's good at that. Let me tell you something. They're not your enemies. When's the last time did he convince you that somebody in this church is your enemy? I'm here to say that they're not. I'm here to say that he is your enemy, that he is the one trying to throw you off course. He is the one trying to discourage you. He is the one trying to cast you into a place of fear so that you won't obey the commands of the Lord. Well, here today, we're gonna see in this encounter with the demoniac that there was someone who was in control in that situation. We're gonna see that there was someone who was in such control that everything rose and fell on him and his permission and his authority. So let's look at the different characters that are playing out here in this depiction. Number one, it was the man, the man who was possessed. We understand that the man was not in control. He was the one who was cutting himself. He was the one screaming in agony. He was the one suffering. Obviously, he was not in control. Then we see the disciples who came with Jesus. They were bystanders. They were witnessing all this going on, but had no power to change what was going on. And then we see the demons. Did you hear the name Legion. Now, in the time of Caesar Augustus, a Roman legion of soldiers was about 6,826 men. 6,100 would have been footmen, 726 would have been horsemen. So as this demon is giving his, him and others the name, we can understand that there are thousands of demons inside of this man. And even with the concentrated power of nearly 7,000 demons, even the demons were not in control in this situation. Hey, if we go back and we look at verse 6, what happens? The man possessed bows before Jesus. Now, he may have bowed in fear, but nonetheless, he bowed. Verse 7, he calls Jesus by name. The demons knew who Jesus was. They even called him son of the most high God. Listen, there's no one higher than the most high God. And even the demons knew that. And they begged him by God. They said, please don't torment us. They begged him. 
that shows that they were at the mercy of Jesus. Verse 10, he begs them, or, or they beg him not to send them out of the country. Verse 12, they beg him to send them into the swine. Verse 13, Jesus gives them permission to enter the swine. Well, I don't know about y'all, but I think Jesus is in charge and Jesus is in control in this situation. And what I want to tell you today is, is that when you go out and you reach people for Jesus and you invite them to church and you share the gospel with them, Jesus is in control. Doesn't matter if they have demon possession, doesn't matter if they have some sort of mental illness, it doesn't matter if they're struggling with addiction or alcohol or drugs or sexual sins or whatever it is, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is in control of that situation. You can't save them and you can't change their lives, but what you're doing is you're telling them about the one who can. And listen, the Bible teaches us that when we go and we do that, when we go and obey the great commission to make disciples of all nations, that the Holy Spirit goes with us. We don't go alone. So today, we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear what others may say or may think because the most high God is on our side. Job, in the book of Job, which is one of the most fascinating books in the Bible, we get an insight into the relationship between Satan and God. You say, what, Satan and God still talk? Yes, they still talk. And in Job chapter one, beginning in verse six, the Bible says this, one day the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them. The Lord asked Satan, where have you come from? Satan said this, from roaming through the earth and walking around on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him, a man of perfect integrity who fears God and turns away from evil. Satan answered the Lord, does Job fear God for nothing? Haven't you placed a hedge around him, his household and everything he owns? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he owns and he will surely curse you to your face. Very well, the Lord told Satan, everything he owns is in your power. However, do not lay a hand on Job himself. So Satan left the Lord's presence. Did you know that Satan can't even act? without his permission, without God's express permission. And I think there's a misconception in church life. We think that Satan is in hell. We think, well, you know, Satan's house is hell and that's where he lives. And he does all of his work from there. Well, did you not hear what the Bible just said? God asked Satan, what have you been up to? And it's not that God didn't know, but God asks those things because he wants confessions. And Satan says, I've been roaming about on the earth and walking on it. Did you know that when the angels were cast out of heaven, a third of the angels who rebelled against God, they weren't cast to hell, they were cast to earth. And they still work on earth today. They still afflict humanity today. And the reason Satan does that is, is it's not, I don't believe it's because he actually thinks he's gonna win, but I think he understands that his time is short and he is gonna take down as many people created in the image of God as possible. He wants to thwart our mission to impact Candler today. And he will come against you. The, the, the spiritual darkness will come against you when you step out on faith for the Lord. I assure you of that. But I've always been told that if Satan isn't bothering you, then you're doing something wrong. You're obviously not working for the Lord if Satan never bothers you. But when you step into the heat of the battle and you start fighting for eternal souls, guess who's gonna come after you? The spirits of darkness. They're gonna say, whoa, 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 we were okay with you guys going to church. We were okay with you guys getting fired up about mission trips and things like that. But when you start actually leading people to Jesus, we're gonna to have to put a stop to that. 
Did you know that Jesus is in control? Jesus is sovereign over all spirits, over all evil, over all wickedness. He is in control today, and I promise you, he has called us to this great work, and he will see to it that we are successful if we obey him and if we trust him. We also see there in Luke chapter 10, verse 17, that Jesus himself even said that Satan fell to earth. The 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 is talking about Satan. And it says this, how have you fallen from heaven? You star of the morning, son of the dawn, you have been cut down to earth. You who defeated the nations. Your Bible never says that Satan is in hell. You'll not find a verse anywhere in the scripture that says Satan is in hell right now. You're going to find every time you see Satan, he's working on earth in order to thwart the mission of God, in order to harm those who are created in God's image. Hey, listen, did you know that we're a special creation today? Humanity is special to God. Humanity has been set aside to reflect God's glory in a special way. And Satan knows that when humanity is devalued, when humanity is abused, when humanity is destroyed, that he hurts God when that happens. That's why we fight for life today. Because every life is eternally important because they've been created in God's image. It doesn't matter if you're one second after conception or if you're 99 years old, you are eternally important to our creator. And he made you with a great purpose. Today, did you know Jesus is in control? And if we go out and we impact individuals in our community, just like Jesus did the demoniac, Jesus is going to go with us. He's going to give us the power to overcome the evil that may come against us. And he's going to give us the strength to do exactly what he's called us to do. And then lastly, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Jesus gave victory to the hopeless. Jesus gave victory to the hopeless. When I was working at Wilson Art several years ago, I was at work and a gentleman came up to me and he said, hey, would you care to meet me after work? I need to ask you some questions. And I said, sure, I'd be happy to. So I met him in the break area in front of the plant and we sat and talked. And he said, he said Ben, I don't think I'm saved. I've, I've never accepted Jesus and I, I need to be saved. And there in that break area in front of, that, of the plant, I led him to Jesus. And I'm not tooting my own horn here, but this is what I want you to get from this, is that God placed me at that plant, at that factory, for the amount of time that he did for a specific purpose. Now, it could have been that purpose and some others, but specifically, he put me there in that plant that day. He allowed that man to know that I was a believer so that I could be there that day to lead him to Jesus. Jesus was in control that day. Hey, and Jesus gives victory to the hopeless. And you know what Impact Candler is about? It's about us being in our community us showing others what it means to be a believer, us loving on people and sharing the truth with them. They may not want Jesus now. They may not accept him now, but the moment they know who they can go to, you just wait. One day they'll come to you. So, you know, I've been thinking about this Jesus that you talk about. And I've been noticing that you go through some pretty difficult stuff in your life and you seem to have strength when I wouldn't. There, there seems to be a joy in your life that, that I don't have and I want what you've got. Could you... Lead me to Jesus? Could you lead me to the same one you know? Hey, listen, it means putting yourself out there. It means building those relationships and loving on our community. And I'm telling you, God will do amazing things if we will be the church that he's called us to be. So as we, list, as we mentioned earlier, human wisdom and human treatment 
does not fix man's problems. It only makes them worse. It only intensifies the issues and the burden and the pain. The more human intervention there was, the more this man in the cemetery hurt himself. Well, in verse 15, Jesus was able to help make right what mankind could not. We're talking about giving victory to a hopeless man here. So in verse 15 of Mark chapter 5, verse 15 of Mark chapter 5, the Bible says this. They came to Jesus and saw the man who had been demon-possessed sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Now, wait just a minute. We went from a guy who was breaking chains, cutting himself, screaming in anguish and horror to a man who now was sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. Jesus gave him victory. Jesus changed him. Jesus gave him a 180-degree turn from someone who was hopeless, living in a horrible condition, without any hope of tomorrow. He took that man and he turned him and he gave him hope and he gave him victory. A man who was now clothed in his right mind, a man who would one day go to heaven. A man who was saved and born again. Jesus, his answer is not shackling people up. His answer is healing them from the inside out. Hey, you can, you can stay on somebody all day long about their sin, but until Jesus changes their heart from the inside out, it's not gonna make any difference. Until Jesus heals them, it's not gonna change. I mean, think about this guy. He went from living in the graveyard to going back home with his people. He went from cutting himself and screaming to being in his right mind. He went from being naked to being clothed. He went from being an enemy of God to being a son of God. He went from fearing Jesus to wanting to be with Jesus. Hey, did you hear what he said in verse 18? As Jesus was about to leave and he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him earnestly that he might remain with him. Hey, listen, when Jesus showed up, the man came and bowed before Jesus in fear because he knew that Jesus was in charge. The demons trembled at the fact that Jesus was nearby. But at the end of the story, after the demons left, the man wanted to be with Jesus, not because he feared him, but because he loved him. And isn't that what salvation is all about? About the power of God enabling us to love God and love others? Hey, listen, you can't be right with God if you don't love God and love others. Amen. You can't do it. And that's what we here as a church are called to do, to love our community. The difficult, the hard to get along with, the hopeless, the isolated, the addicted, the struggling, we are called to go out and reach them with the gospel of Jesus. Because just like the demoniac, those who are suffering from the most horrible of situations, God can heal them and he can turn their life around. Verses 19 and 20 are really the question that's set before us today. Because as I said before, the demoniac was no different than we are. Maybe his circumstances were a little bit different, but he was hopeless without Jesus. And before I got saved, I was hopeless without Jesus. Hey, listen, I would have gone to the same hell that the demon-possessed man would have gone to if I had not accepted Christ. But you know what Jesus required of the demon-possessed man once he healed him? And once he transformed his life, let's look at verse 19. Jesus did not let him, in other words, Jesus did not let him remain with him, but he told him this, go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. You know what the, the man did? He went out and began to proclaim 
another word for preach, he proclaimed in Decapolis, his hometown, how much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed. Hey, I dare to say hundreds of people got saved that day. The man who was rumored and storied about, who lived in the graveyard, was now walking through his hometown, clothed and in his right mind, saying, look what Jesus did for me. Hey, you know what? We don't live in Decapolis, but we live in Candler. And the same thing that Jesus asked the demoniac to do, he's asking us to do today. Will you go to your own people? Will you go to these people in our neighborhood? Will you go to the people at work? Will you go to the people at school? Will you go to your own people and share with them what the Lord has done for you and the great mercy that he has had on you? Let's pray.